right. Mormonism Live. We are here. RFM, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Bill Real. How are you? I'm doing exceptionally well. And if everybody is watching, you'll notice there at the bottom of the screen is our friend Kwaku, who is in accepted to come on and have a conversation about uh, some of the things that are going on lately. Uh, Kwaku, uh, glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope this. Uh, I hope the lag isn't too bad. No, no, no. It looks good. It's, looks good. it's not too bad at all, really. Um, yeah. By the way, what are you drinking there? Um, I'm drinking Red Bull, or we call BYU White Claw. It's, uh, it's Red Bull Coconut Berry. Mm. Believe it or not, I get the White Claw reference, okay? Now you've got a chain on. I got to go get my chain too because I want to try and look yeah. as cool and hip as you, dude. You can get chains on Amazon for like twenty bucks, and people will think it was two hundred dollars. Like, you, really? There, there's a lot of ways to cheat the system. Believe me, I'm not. gonna have to do that. I'm just trying to dress here, sort of like Don Johnson. That was cool back in the '80s when I was your age. Don I, Johnson. Do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. Okay, how wide the divide? Device, right? It's that generation gap. Miami yeah. Vice? Is that what you said? Yes, yes. Okay. Very good. I know I know the name Miami Vice. Like I like I know those like I know the shows. I don't watch I haven't watched them, but I know like if you say it, it's like enough of an American staple, you know, where everybody knows it. Yeah. Well, I know that um uh first off, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight, Quaku. You know, I first uh sort of came to know about you, I think about two years ago, and you and I did a couple of sort of dueling podcasts. I think it had to do with the book of Abraham. It was in the summer of 2019, I think. And I wanted to start out because uh, in my first of those podcasts, I horribly and consistently mispronounced your name. I think I called you Quaku throughout, but it's actually Quaku. And I, at the, when I found that out at the beginning of the second podcast, I corrected that. I apologize, but I did want to apologize to you publicly and personally for mispronouncing your name there. It, yeah, it's it's no big deal. I always just tell people, think of like a Quaker, like Quaker Oats, but instead of er, say ooh, and that always works. It always, okay. for some reason, that's, that's how it, it always works that way. So, but yeah, it's very few people can say Quaker right on the first try. So it's not a big deal. Well, thank you. I appreciate that because, you know, we here at Radio Free Mormon and Mormonism Life, we do actually offer apologies when we get things wrong. <laughs> anyway, hey, I was calling you from my truck heading home the other night and I said, you know, call Kwaku and, it, and the, the voice, the Siri voice says, calling Kwaku. Yep. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 it's Kwaku. So yeah. we had this argument. Anyway. Um, one of the things about you is that you are what I would call a, a rising celebrity of sorts within Mormonism, uh, particularly related to things uh, apologetics. Now, I listened to a little bit of you. Um, I haven't listened to everything you've done, but um, I understand you don't really like the term apologetics. Is there another term that you would prefer we use? No, I mean, you can use whatever term you want. I don't like the term apologetics just because. Um, you think of an apologist and I, it makes me think of like a, a, a guy behind a keyboard typing away at an article that no one's going to read, you know, using words that no one understands. Hey, and don't bring Dan Peterson into this. Um, <laughs> That's not fair. Um, Kwaku, well, you, know, you don't have uh, to go it, there. I, I had someone else in mind, but I won't say who. I think of that and I go, huh, I, I don't really think it's that I, I, I don't 
consider myself an academic. You know, I'm not going into academia. I just consider myself someone. Some people have called me a cultural apologist, which I probably is the closest to accurate. You know, um, I'm I'm more of 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 I believe this is true. The gospel. Um, I think the church has the authority, and you know, I'm willing to talk about and defend those things. But I think after a while. After, in terms of YouTube, after five or six response videos to a topic, it's no longer about actually trying to defend your tribe or your people or your way of life or your beliefs. It's more about like sort of self aggrandizing, you know, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And nobody trusts those people. You know what I mean? So that's why I don't like the term apologist because it gets you like murky. Now he's bringing John Gee into it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Quaker, oh, just hey, leave I it alone. I love John Gee. <laughs> I love <laughs> Professor Peterson. Um, he his hair is white uh, in real life. Profe I, I saw him on BYU campus a couple times, and he's like he's got this like gold like eagle hair. John Gee? Uh, no, uh, Dan Peterson. And I've only oh. only seen him online, and I finally saw him, and I was like, he's he's got like the, the that like like RFM like your hair. He's got he's got you. He's got the the nice white legless hair going on. <laughs> <laughs> nice legless hair. Clinch up legless. Okay, oblique Avengers reference. Um, but I was really into apologetics, Mormon apologetics, back when in the 1980s, the Don Johnson era, when I was your age, because in the 1980s, that was when I was in my 20s, I, I studied, I devoted myself to this cause because I too was very, very convinced in the truthfulness of the, uh, the claims of the LDS church. I joined when I was 18, went on a mission to Japan, came back totally into that. It was fascinating to me. I read everything I could on the subject. I taught an institute class called Defending the Faith, which I created and then got permission to teach for 12 weeks at the end of um, the 1980s. It was spring of 1989. And I put up a lot of those um, recordings of those classes on the Radio Free Mormon webpage. They don't do as well as the other things I talked about, but I have them up there anyway. Did you do a lot of study. I mean, obviously I've listened to enough of your material to know that you know a lot of stuff and you know a lot of uh, material. You've obviously studied a lot. How was it that you got interested in apologetics? Um, not purposeful. I, um, I years ago, right, even actually right before I started at BYU, I was, um, they were casting for a show at the time called Three Mormons. And um, I, People sent me, you know, the thing and said, hey, you should do this. You know, you, you you're kind of like got a camera type personality. So I applied. I went to the audition and then they cast me. And I, I mean, at first, um, the I was under the impression it was more of just like a show where you kind of talk about what it's like to be LDS, more of a cultural show. Right. Um, and um, very, very soon um, it became people asking questions, tough questions about history, about theology, about all those things. And so then it was like, well, I guess we kind of have to, I guess we just can't talk about Napoleon Dynamite and Jello, right? We got to <laughs> talk about like real things. So then one thing led to another. And then suddenly, you know, um, there, there's response videos being made to us and people asking to interview and, and they're saying Quaku the apologist. And it's like, well, okay, I guess I'm now this is the thing. But I, it, it was never purposeful. I had a small blog that was really for me. It was more of a diary about my gospel thoughts that um, some people found. And I tried to, I tried to bury it online, uh, but I never actually planned on this ever happening. Um, 
it just kind of happened accidentally. And so, um, yeah, I, I really don't have a, I, I, I was never like, I, I didn't go on a mission, you know? So I, I, and I, I would, wasn't raised LDS. So I don't have this, you know, when I was younger, I just fell in love with Bruce R. McConkie, you know, or, or Boyd K. Packer's weird talk about little factories. It's just never, it never happened. Right. I just, you have that clip, Bill, you're going to love this clip. That was a weird talk then. It was weird. It, 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 it right. was, it was weird. I could admit I Bill's got this clip. He does a great, great Boyd K. Packer. Let me see if I can. Uh, oh, man. Uh-oh, I think I caught him off guard. Yeah, I, I've got it here somewhere. I just got to find it. Okay. And while you're, while you're looking for it, I wanted to ask you about, there was auditions for um, parts in the, it used to be three Mormons. Now it's more, uh, not Mormons unscripted. It's Saints unscripted now. Right. But it's the same show. Yeah. Yeah. So there are auditions for it. And there's a lot of people that auditioned. Um, and, you know, every, you know, what, whatever, a lot, a lot of different churches have their different YouTube channels. And this was when the church was getting more channels that were not directly controlled by the church. Right. And so you got to hold auditions. You can't just let anybody in there. Some people can't talk to the camera. Some people stutter too much. You know, some people might have a ton of acne. You just, you have no, right. You don't know. So they held auditions. I would say there was maybe 20, 30 people that were in the room when I went in for the audition. Um, and I ended up being one of the people they chose. And so, yeah, this was all kind of, uh, uh, this was never in the plan. I mean, I'm happy about it. It was fun. You know, I, I, I always like talking about what I believe in. And so, but uh, again, this was just, it just sort of happened accidentally. Morning is live. Better than touching your own little factory. Cool. What do you think? Um, you know, uh, I it, it, the audio made it sound like it was coming not from the computer, but from over there. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, some guy checking on what just happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's to answer your question. That's um, that's how it happened, and now it's called Saints Unscripted. Who uh, was it? Who was it who uh, produced this? Somebody's doing a auditions. Uh, who's in charge of this? So um, uh, so the the more good foundation, um, they. Uh, hired uh, people to produce the show. So um, back at least when I was going to the More Good Foundation to the studio to shoot, they had, you know, you had graphic designers there. They had like a whole team of people that they'd brought together to make this production. And um, uh, it, it, it was pretty great. You know, uh, uh, they 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 got a lot of them were in college, but got these people together to, you know, we had we filmed that they they sound they had they had lighting, they had everything. Um, and so, yeah, more good got some people together to make a production. And I wish we had more of that in the church. I wish we had a, a, a lot. We had more productions going on just in terms of media for, for younger people. I want to tell you something about your uh, three Mormons, Saints Unscripted. It's so difficult having two names. At least you only have two. Fair Mormon has three. It was fair. Then it was fair Mormon. And now it's fair again. It's hard to keep track. Right. But, but but with Saints Unscripted, so you come and you do the um, auditions. And I watched one of your shows that I will always remember because it was the one where you were interviewing Dusty Smith. Do you remember him? I, I do. I have not heard that name in a long time. But yes, was, I, I remember that. It was 2017. Someone pointed it out to me because he had gone. He mentions going to the University of Texas at Austin. And as it turns out, he was my best and dearest friend back in the oh, 1980s. Wow, okay. And I had totally lost track of him because he left the church at the end of the 1980s, beginning of 1990s. And I was the one pleading with him, trying to help him understand the error of his ways and bring him back. 
come back, Dusty, come back. And then he really didn't maintain contact. He had other things he wanted to do. And now after these decades have gone by, now he's back in the church and I'm floating around out here in outer darkness. Right. So it's I really, mean, and it's funny, you guys have similar personalities. Oh yeah, you know, it's, not, it's not crazy to think that you were friends. I can, I can see, I can see both of your influence in one another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I really appreciated that episode, if only for that, because I got in contact with him again, and oh, so that was great. But now uh, you went to Saints and Scripted. I think everybody understands. Correct me if I'm wrong, that that was because a name change because Mormon is now hashtag Victory for Satan. Yes, President Nelson. You know that general conference when they made the, uh, the the announcement about using the name Mormon less and saying saints or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. So there was a, there was all this debate on the cast and crew and what we should call it. And um, uh, saints unscripted is what was chosen. And so uh, you say that in the passive tense, like you weren't really thrilled about it. Um. No, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I think I had a couple of names I wanted to call it. Um, um, one, one of the ones that was floating around was followers of Christ, but then FOC probably isn't the best thing to pronounce. You know what I'm saying? Like you're yeah, doing it's almost show. as bad as TITS. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so, hey, I've know, got a great name. I know what it should have been. How about Quaku and friends? No, no, man. I tell you, I, <laughs> I, I get, I got so much attention for, from this is the show. Um, and I was like. People were like, you know, Quaku's new shit. I wasn't even like the director of the project. You know what I'm saying? I was yes. like, man, I, I, they love me. You know, I get more credit than I even deserve. Well, and that's always good. And you shouldn't admit to that, uh, by the way, that you get more credit than you deserve. Uh, take it all in good stride. But the thing is, you've got a lot of personality. You have a lot of character to you. And you've got uh, an unusual name as well. But... Uh, so it's difficult. Uh, it was my first impression to always say, uh, Quaku show or whatever, because that's what everybody knows it as. But then I realized, you know, that's not really fair to everybody else who's involved. And so I, with the TITS show, I talked, uh, I remembered it was, uh, Brad, Brad Whitbeck, Brad Whitbeck and Cardinellis, Cardinellis. And then, um, yes. uh, I mean, there's a, a number of people we hired, you know, and cast as the different characters, you know, um, um, and it's funny, the Salt Lake Tribune, they uh, when they published the articles, they published the wrong picture of someone. So they took Parker Kelly, who was playing, um, he played Ermolai, and I think he played Satan, and they put his picture and said it was Cardin Ellis, just because both of them had beards. So <laughs> I get, no one can even figure out what's going on. Like, every time people report on it, no one's getting any of the casting or, like, positions right. So, you know, what can you do? Well, surely that's not the first time Cardin Ellis has been mistaken for Satan. Um, well, Cardin is a look. Car Cardin, when you meet Cardin, you get to know him as a person. You find that uh, you know he he has his everyone has their sort of online persona, but he's a very very good guy. You know he will he will cross the plains, cross the state to pick you up from a gas station if you need be. Yeah. You know so um uh. A lot of things, I, the biggest takeaway I think I even got from all this was um, meeting all the people. The people at FAIR, Scott Gordon and John Lynch, these are really good people. When you just sit down and talk with them and get to know them as people, they're really good people. And it it really sucks that, um, that I mean, 
we're both of us are probably guilty of this, right? Um, it sucks that especially when you get a platform and your your thing is you give your opinion on whatever the topic is of the day, you you dehumanize. You don't get to see the real person. You only see this this either you you see a physical representation of an ideology that you don't agree with. And the problem with that is what it does is it makes um, it makes us look like these overpaid, you know, monsters sitting on top of the church office building, looking down, sniping apostates. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then it makes you like like uh, Mel Gibson in The Patriot finding, you know, the, the, the Mormon soldiers to just to kill them for destroying your sons. It's yeah. like not, it's, it's probably a bit too far fetched and probably makes you feel like cooler than you really are. When in reality, you're just in a small studio in Orem talking about your faith and an episode you made up on the spot and or your, you know, parents in your home offices telling your kids to shut up before you start recording. That's usually what it really is, you know? Yeah, uh, I hear you. what you're saying about looking like overpaid monsters. I think I probably look like an underpaid monster. But nevertheless, no, this is one of the things is that um, when I was, frankly, your age, I think you're probably more mature than I was when I was 24, right? You're 24. Yeah. 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 Um, is that I was so invested not only in the truth claims of Mormonism, but so enmeshed with that, uh, with my identity, with being Mormon and just being consumed with it. And I'm sure you are too. But, but part of that lent itself to any criticism of the church. I interpreted it as a, an attack on me personally. Have you ever encountered that or felt that way? Because it doesn't seem like you do now. No, no. I am. Um... I, you know, you, I try to defend the gospel more than I try to defend the church. And the reason is because um, I really, really believe in the gospel. I really believe um, in God. I believe in the miracles. I believe in all of it. I believe in the covenants. I like the covenants. I like the rituals. I like all of it, right? But the church itself, I mean, like, I'm not going to go to bat for whatever, you know, program they were, was created in the church office building by certain bureaucrats, right? I'm not going to, like, be the church apologist, which is the thing, like, like, when someone insults the church or even says, I don't believe in the church, I want to leave. If they ask me why I should stay, I don't really like that question. Or someone like, hey, convince me to stay. I'm like, no, if you want to leave, leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not really the in the I'm not one of those guys where um, my goal is keep as many people just in the building as possible. I want to talk to people and, pre and preach the gospel to people who don't know about what we believe or want to be here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can assume if you've got you guys have kids, you probably know what it's like if your kid doesn't want to go somewhere and you're just get in the car, just get in the freaking, just, just get in, shut up. And you're like shoving the seatbelt and clicking it. It's a lot easier if they just stay home and eat snacks and watch SpongeBob. Right. So, so my thing is, uh, you know, you've got people like who are, who are sort of specifically catering to that, right. The uplift people, right. Like with Leo Winnegar and those guys, like, like very uniquely catered to that. That's not my thing. My thing is I want to talk about it. I love what we believe. And I love the culture we can create. And I'm not going to wear a white tie. I'm not going to wear a white shirt. I'm not going to wear a tie. I'm going to wear a chain. I'm going to drink a Red Bull. And I'm just going to, we're just going to talk. And it's going to be fun. And um, if people are upset by it or something we say, we just kind of have to kind of shrug it off and go, ah, what can you do? 
and that's the attitude I take. But I've noticed that um, a lot of your audience may not be a fan of that attitude. Um, that's the one of the takeaways I found just in in preparation for this interview. Yeah. Really, what, what preparation? What happened? Um, so uh, what I did was I went. I read a lot of the comments on um, on Facebook about this. I had people would send me. Um, I, I I have a. Uh, there are certain websites I just stay away from. <laughs> um, so people were just sending me a lot of stuff from different websites and chat forums, and I could see a lot of your audience saying like, like, you know, oh, Quaku man. One of the most dishonest people in apologetics, him and Bill Real are going to fight like crazy. And I'm like, is this like, do we have our own WWE? Like a WWE of the Wasatch Front Mormon debate has to be the lamest thing I could ever think of. Like the most so. interesting thing ever. Yeah, totally. I, I want to talk to you a minute about three Mormons and it's shift into Saint Sanskrit and obviously the name changed because of the church. But um, if you don't mind me stealing a few of your questions, RFM, so I can throw a few things into the episode. But um, how did you guys get started there? Like, how did that thing get selected and how were you selected for that? And and how did that kind of get off the ground? So um, I don't know the intricacies of actually how it came off the ground itself. I only know, like what happened when I got in. So there was an Instagram ad for it. Um, and I went in. I took the address and I went in to the audition. Everything before, I'm not really sure. Um, but the producer was around our age. It was um, it was Rachel, and everyone who worked on it was our age. Um, so, like I said, it was just more good. Really, just hired some people to make a show. I mean, that's really it. We got at first. We at first actually the first couple months we didn't uh, even get paid. We got paid in like gift cards, and then we got paid like ten bucks an hour. Um, so when the show was coming out, you had people who were like, "Man, they are making bank off of this." I wish. I wish we were not. Um, and so then we got bumped to 20 bucks an hour and we will, we went in like once a week for like three hours. So we, I mean, we weren't making like a ton. Um, and then I did that for a bit. And then um, I just, uh, there was a ton of, ton of stuff was going on in life all at once. And I couldn't mentally and emotionally handle a show on top of everything else I was doing with school and job. And I almost got married and all those things. And I was like, ah, I think I have to dip. So I dipped from the show and um, now it's Saints Unscripted. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really, the, the formation, I think, was just some people went to Morgan and said, hey, we want to do a show. And they're like, sure. Really, that's it. I mean, it, it's it's not the most interesting genesis of a show at all. Yeah. And, and I've got a follow-up question, which is, and this is me, you know, the critical me who's trying to figure out what all goes on behind the scenes. But my understanding is the Morgan Foundation is a, it's an entity and it stands alone. I, I don't disagree with that. Like in all the legal paperwork and all that stuff, it's it's operating as a separate entity. But in some ways, like if the LDS church tells the More Good Foundation, don't stop doing this or start doing this, my understanding is it's going to follow that 100%. It's not going to go counter to what the church suggests it does. And so when I see it doing work and I see the donations, I've, I've looked at some of the tax reports and stuff for it. I see folks donating. I see institutions that are under the name Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that are also donating to it. And then I see them take on all these kinds of projects to try to get the LDS message out there. Is your, and again, I'm not trying to set you up, but I, I want to, I think it's a valuable question, which is, far as you know, is, is the Morgan Foundation kind of like a, like a middleman that 
does kind of keep the LDS church's name off the books, but allows it to do other kinds of work? Or, or do you see, is your understanding of it, it really does operate completely separately and gets to do its own things, even if the LDS church doesn't want it doing something? So um, my experience when I was, you know, um, contracted for the show there and the limited meetings I was in seemed pretty hands off. They kind of got to do what they wanted. Um, I mean, like, again, I'm not I wasn't one of the execs. Right. But there were meetings they would just talk about. There's this and this and this. And every once in a while, the church would say, uh, I mean, for all, all the involvement I know of what the church ever like told us to do was some once someone reached out and said, hey, could you guys do some reviews of the Saints books? And that was about it. So they kind of got to do really whatever they wanted. And the way I see it is, um, even if it is a middleman, I think there needs to be more. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I saw from from the Saints Inscripted project with Morgood was that young people were getting baptized a lot when they were watching the content. And I don't, I think you know, you, you, an organization itself can only do so much. Outsourcing is a good idea. Having more good and having these other organizations that can be specifically dedicated to creating shows, websites, social media, all that, that's a great idea. I wish there were more of that. Um, and if there were more of that, you get more artistic expression, you would get less sort of a corporatist feel in a lot of projects. And I think there'd be more individuality. Um, so I, I really I like what more good does. Um, and it seems pretty like they, they kind of do what they want. And again, but that's I'm coming from a limited like I was just a guy. I was a talking head on a show. Right. I, they weren't inviting me to like the meeting higher ups. Right. I never got to look up, open the books and see the money. So, yeah. Were you done with your questions on that line, Bill? Well, the only other one was on the the last thing on Saints Unscripted is you just talked about income. So you said, look, we got gift cards in the beginning. We got 10 bucks an hour. We got 20 bucks an hour. And, and again, I say this, I'm always prefacing these questions because I don't want people to take me the wrong way. But um, lots of money comes into the More Good Foundation. Millions and millions and millions of dollars comes in. I've, again, seen those reports, so the, the actual tax statements that get filed. Um and I know there's projects and things cost money and all that seems reasonable uh, as a nonprofit who's trying to do a lot of good in the world. And I think they are. Your thoughts, I guess, you only saw that one aspect, which is here's us and here's what we get to do this. Are, 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 are the, the income that goes to folks who are producing creative content, is there are there folks in that entity that are making significant money doing those kinds of productions? Or are you saying like, no, it's, it seems like everybody's making 20 bucks an hour? Um, I, I only know how much I got paid and I, I on it, didn't even look at the paychecks of the other hosts. So yeah. I'm really just going yeah. for me, yeah. but they do a lot of, um, they, they do a lot of projects. So they've got their hands full with a ton of stuff going on at once. So um, the Saints Unscripted side was one thing, but they've got projects going on in different countries and like um, a lot of, a lot of uh, translation into Portuguese and Spanish and things like that. So, I mean, it's a, to, to manage it from my thought would be it's a full, I'm a full-time job. So the guys at the head of it who were getting paid enough to do a full-time job, I mean, that, that's not surprising to me. But like I said, I, 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 I really don't have a, the most to offer in terms of like, uh, you know, my, my, my deep intel on it. Um, other than I wish I'd been paid more. That's about it. I wish I'd been paid more, <laughs> but that's no okay. Kidding. 
it's it. I went just so you know. Two hours a week is fine. It's I got paid just fine. Um, just so you know, I'll be sending the More Good Foundation a bill for having you on the show tonight. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they'll honor it. doesn't hurt to ask. But I want to say something about you, okay? Because you are unusual in one particular respect, which is that uh, you're a Mormon apologist. But, you know, um, there's quite a few of them. Uh not hundreds or millions probably, but there's quite a few and you and I could name them. We don't need to, we've already mentioned a couple names, but of all the Mormon apologists that I am aware of, there's only one who will actually go out and debate people face to face on a recorded uh, episode. I know you've done that with uh, uh, non-Mormon Christians on a number of occasions. There's only one who will accept an interview to come on Mormonism live with Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real to talk about things live, and that's you, Kwaku. So what I want to ask is, uh, by the way, we've been getting lots of comments about how uh, people giving you props for being willing to come on the show and dialogue, and people thinking, wow, he looks he's so much different when he's just talking than that persona thing that you were talking about before, and people are really liking you, at least from many of the comments I've seen. Um, my question for you is, what is it that makes you different from the other apologists who seem to want to shy away from public discussion about religious issues? Um, well, they're smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> that's probably what it is. Right? <laughs> I, no, I'll be on my, so I'm not an academic. A, a, a lot of them, um, uh, I, I it's probably won't give names to be respectful, but you know, they're going into academia. They have to think about where they're going to get hired in a couple of years, where they're going to teach um, you know, and, and, and there's sort of an academic LDS circle you have to run in. Um, and it's very politically correct. It's very, you know, uh, um, uh, very Utah. There, there's a, there's a, a level of look as presentable as possible and don't put yourself in any super vulnerable position. I'm not like that. I wasn't raised in a family like that. I'm the youngest of six, um, from the South. My mother was born in 1958. Dad was born in 54. Old school black people. I'm, we're not in the, I'm not, I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't raised in that sort of LDS, like be as safe as possible. You know, I just going to say what I think is true. And so people are afraid to go because they're afraid of looking bad. Why would you be afraid of looking bad? Who cares? Our last president was Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? The age of looking bad, you can, at this point, who <laughs> look as bad as you want. It doesn't matter. People just want to see something authentic for once. People, whether they're still LDS or they've, they've left the church and you're still living in sort of Mormon culture for you in Utah, Arizona, Idaho, we just want to see authenticity for once. So even if I go and I embarrass myself and I say something stupid, at least I was being as real as possible. I... They're, they're afraid. A lot of them are afraid because they don't want to look dumb and they don't want to ruin any potential chances and they don't want to lose any respect from everybody else in that circle. But the issue is that circle of people, that circle of academics, they'll get together and they'll, they'll, they'll write papers and papers and essays and essays and they'll still complain. Why can't we reach young people? Why can't we reach people who are 17, 16, 15, 19, 20, 25? Why can't we reach them? And they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then young people are going and looking at new name Noah's TikTok or Zelf on the Shelf. And those guys will challenge and say, hey, why don't you come talk? And they're all too, you know, the academics are too afraid. And I'm like, we're in the age of confrontation. You got to go talk to people. 
Who cares if you're going to look a little bit dumb? Who cares if you'll embarrass yourself? Just to be real. And people will sense real. I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be a professor. I'm not trying to be a 70. I'm not trying to be an apostle. I do not care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have an event and media thing. That's where I, I that's my, like, what I do. And this is something else I do because I care about, you know, uh, I care about the people. I care about the gospel and I care about, you know, people who are potential converts and want to join. But I don't, I, I'm not going to be teaching comparative religion at UVU. I don't care. So if I look dumb and in 50 years, I'm like, oh, that was a weird, I used to do this Mormon talk show, ah, whatever. That's the attitude I'll have, <laughs> you know, because I don't know. So, so I, I, that was a, a very scrambled answer. Oh, I but like it. People just need to be real and need to be okay with looking a little bit bad and need to be okay with the fact that it's the internet. And sometimes people are going to be mad. Sometimes people are going to say things that aren't true. They might misconstrue you. But are you going to look back at the end of your life and be happy that you played everything so damn safe? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mess up just look a little. At, be real. Just, just look at a picture of John Gee. Um, That's a man who's at the end of his life and is really, really uh, not happy. I haven't met him in person. I wish. I Neither could. have I. I just talked I, about him incessantly. Um, I dreamed I, about him. When I know he's a very nice guy, though. The, the, I had a few phone combos with him. I think he's a nice guy. Why were you talking with John Gee? Um, well, you know, when President Nelson Venmos me the millions of dollars to make the propaganda, you know, sometimes I have to go through my managers. Uh, no, I, <laughs> there was there was some there was some sort of personal stuff that was going on, um, which oh. I was, um, you know, but it that's it's, what you it's very not not not, <laughs> not public stuff. So yeah, what, okay. What you just hit on there, uh, Kwaku, which is this idea, like here's where you're at right now, and and maybe in 50 years it looks different, and. RFM, you know, started studying the gospel at a young age as well. I did it too. I joined the church when I was 17. And I think RFM, you were 18? Yes. 18. And defended it with like tons of passion. And I don't want to get into the issues. That's We agreed not to talk about that. And I don't really think that's valuable anyway. Um, those issues have all been hashed out in a thousand other places. But what I want to ask is, as you became Mormon and as you started learning about the history of the church and sensing like, oh, there's way more to these issues and here's critics and they have points that they're making and some of this looks messy and some of this looks like maybe it doesn't add up exactly the way we thought it did. As you joined and had to kind of confront some of that, I have to imagine your own mindset and beliefs have changed over time, right? Like the missionary discussions that you got, the Mormonism that you believe now has to be a little different than that. Um. Not, I, I really don't think that much. Um, you know, I learned uh, um, when I first met with missionaries, there was a year break before I met with them again. I learned as much bad stuff as I could in that time, right? I went and read all the the Brigham Young, you know, like the the curse of the Negro and the flat nose. Like I read everything, you know, like I, I so, you know, Helen Mark Kimball, the 14 year old and in Google, when I was investigating the church, kept recommending uh, no man knows my history with Fon Brody. It was the only book they would put on the, the thing, right? So, like, I learned about it all, but you know, my take is is look, I and maybe that's because I came from a Methodist Protestant background where we talked about the Bible a lot. And when you're a Protestant, they hit on the fact that the Jews mess up in the Old Testament over and over again, and all they do is make mistakes, and that's the whole point. So I was fine with it. I was fine with the, like, I would learn to be like, oh, yeah, Brigham Young did this and what? Like, ooh, well, all right. 
here i'm here joseph smith like okay he 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 was a real person you know what i'm saying i to me it, did, it didn't bother me and it still hasn't really bothered me um i i i loved the the seer stones and the folk magic i love the the collab i love the temple rituals i liked all that stuff so uh, i think maybe when i got baptized Perhaps I had I I since I had done so much investigating and and read all the bad stuff before, I already went in and kind of had my own sort of thing going on. But I mean, I didn't take the missionaries at face value. Maybe it's because you know when I was a when I was in kindergarten, it, we had the internet, you know, and you guys in the eighties, it wasn't the same way, right? And so like every when I right after I left um, meeting with Sister Lou and Huber, you know, I went straight to Google. You know what I'm saying? And I looked up everything we just talked about. And so, you know, I didn't even get really to apologists. I would just read some of the stuff and I would go, eh, eh. I still think, I think Joseph had that vision. I was, I, I wasn't compelled by a lot of the, the anti stuff. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there's a lot more people out there that are like that. I'm not sure of anyone, at least my age, who's going to, who's going to listen to missionaries and think that's all there is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in, I, in, in Texas, so I was in. I lived in Cypress, Texas, the most north part of Houston, and it's where all the oil money is, you know. And, and and but you leave Houston, you go to Waller, Texas, and it gets more middle of nowhere hickish. And there's actually um there was a KKK <laughs> in that area, not too far. I mean, they're all like 90 year old dudes meeting up, right? People talking about like there was a KKK there, and so I remember going to my pastors and being like, "Hey, we're Christians. How come we were like like." our buddies over there, the Baptists were like bad. Like they did bad stuff with slavery. How come we killed all the Indians? How come we X, Y, Z stuff? I still talk about when other Christians want to like debate me or whatever. Right. And I mean, I had reconciled all that and I still said, but I still believe that there is a God. And I think what the apostles writing about Jesus is true. I think it happened. And because of that, I, I didn't really care too much about the history. So, like, I recognize, okay, people trying their best who were kind of dumb, messed up. And I had the same attitude going into our church. You know, like, I never, ever expected us to be the pristine, like, the, the, the most moral. I expected us to, like, you know, probably be kind of similar to everybody else. But do I believe these claims about Joseph? And I, I just said, I really think they happen. I, was, I read the Book of Mormon and I go, I think they happen. I think it happened. Now, I may not interpret it all the same way Dallin, you know, or or Devin or Jaden interprets it. You know, I might be reading something a little bit different, but that's kind of what literature does. That's what scripture does. The reason the Odyssey and the Iliad and the Aeneid are still read by everybody is because you and I can both sit down and read it and get and, and read almost something completely different. And I might think those things actually happened. You know what I mean? And you might not, you might think it's just a myth, but that's kind of the beauty of it. So perhaps it was the way I was raised. I was raised in a pescatarian family with only organic food. We were a little hippie-ish. So maybe that's the reason my mindset's different. But I I, I think I still believe in the same Mormonism, um, same restored gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank that you. did when I joined. Um, so sorry, I talk a lot. It cut me off of no. my answer too long. It's okay. I just want to jump in here and say, I hear what you're saying, but there's something that you said 
that struck me, which is that you are 24 now. And it was much earlier when you said it, talking about a policy from the church being like maybe by a bunch of bureaucrats, so it's not so significant to you. What I know is that when I was 24, I would have viewed every policy that came down from the Salt Lake City as being inspired of God and directed by revelation. So right there, I see a nuance that you have right now that I did not have when I was your age. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe that's a that's a generational thing. The the way I see it is like if I read if I'm reading the Doctrine and Covenants, which is that's my favorite scripture, right? The DNC. When I read it, I'm I, the voice of Jesus is very clear. It's I am the Lord. Sometimes the Lord of Soboeth, and I declare my word, and it's very very clear, very crisp, extremely direct. Um, if something like that, if, 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 if the prophet comes and says, here is like what the Lord has said. And I, and we read it and it's, it's the Jesus from the DNC, from the new Testament, from the book of Mormon. I'm going to go, okay, I, you got me. I will follow that to a T when it's something that, you know, I, I take it as, okay, this can be inspired, but it may not be, you know, the most high level 10 out of 10, like this is like, I gotta, I gotta move to Missouri right now, right? This is, this is inspiration that will help the kingdom of God better. And that will might, that might make my life a little bit easier. And if I don't follow it to a T, it's not the end of the world, but it will do good to help me. I think a lot of, a lot of um, the church policies and things like that are sort of in that vein. Um, sometimes I think it's committees that get together and make decisions. And um, you know, if it, if it, happens the lord is like cool if it doesn't happen the lord's like all right cool it's you know so so i i I think there's a very clear distinction between when i when i know this was like the word of jesus directly without convolution and this is inspired men working with committee members to come up with something that's really good and i i feel like i can tell the difference you know like um um uh, but th- then again, you know, the, I'll, I might get some guy who's going to comment and who is very LDS and he's going to be like, Quaku, you're sounding like an apostate. You know what I mean? Like, but I think every rational person can differentiate. Right. Well, um, one of the one of the main joys of Mormonism, in my experience, is the ability to judge others. <laughs> right. Well, OK, can I can my my, my thought on that is um, uh, growing up in suburban Cypress, Texas, where it was mostly Baptist and Methodist and actually a lot of Catholics, that's suburbanism. You know, we, we talk about, uh, and this is actually something that, you know, I'll, I'll get messages every once in a while with people who are like, can't wait till you leave the church, man. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm not. Um, but uh, uh, you'll get people that will, that will, you know, complain so much about church culture. And a lot of times it will be ex-members. And my thought is, well, if Mormonism itself is this judgy, why are you this judgy and annoying too? It's yeah. because our church adopted suburbanism so much. We adopted that cul-de-sac, suburban, homeowners association, PTA mom, you know, Chick-fil-A drive through with the Dr. Pepper cup culture so much. That became us basically in Utah. And the issue with that is, that comes with clickiness, that comes with judginess, that comes with passive aggression, that comes with afraid to talk to you face to face, but we'll say something mean in a tweet. That's what all that comes with. And so members of the church and ex-members of the church are the exact same in that regard. And that's because we've adopted horrible American suburbanism, which has plagued every kind of Christian church what we have in our country. And so um, I, I, I absolutely detest that. 
I, I, I think it's the worst. And I think there's more issues caused in our church because of that than actually caused by the religious aspect. Because when it comes down to it, and this might be trailing off, but if, if there's any questions associated with this, that's also really great. But um, from, from, from my thought is, if you believe in angels, right? If you've decided, I believe in a reality in which there are glowing people from other worlds who come to our world, all bets are off. You know what I'm saying? If you believe that, you believe in religion. You believe in spirituality. You believe in magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if you don't really believe in that and you don't think about those things, right? And you're not one of those people who likes to go. I like I like to go to southern Utah and just lay down and look at the stars and just start thinking about what happens on different worlds. If you're not one of those people and that's not your mind frame and your mind frame is completely caught up in not not the magic part, but but the the structural religious part, you're going to hate it. Of course, you're going to leave the church because that's that's unfortunately just a side effect of the cool stuff. And we've got people who don't believe in the cool stuff. And so they just have this. And if you just have this, good luck convincing somebody to stay. They're going to be just like the kid with the seatbelt who doesn't who you're trying to get it to click together. So if your reality is I do believe in these more magical spiritual things then that's your reality. And I think you're going to stay. But if you don't buy it, if you don't believe in that, and it's not even something you care about. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course go. Why would you stay? You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, you mind if I jump in just for a second, Arpim? I, I want to oh, yeah. ask something regarding that, which is <clears throat> when I was 17, I was all on, all in on believing the magic, all of it. And as I, as I dove into the history, just little by little. And again, I was, you know, I, I served with the, uh, We'll talk about this maybe later on here in the conversation, but I served with Fair Mormon and ran their podcast and won the podcast award in 2013. And um, I believed, I like all in, like I believed all this magic stuff. And as I started examining the historical issues, I just kept realizing like, oh, I think, I think the critic has a better argument and oh, magic doesn't really show up in my real world the way these claims seem to support it. So I don't want to get into the issues, but what I want to do, what I do want to ask is that for somebody who was all in, and then they dive down the rabbit hole and read all the stuff, Book of Abraham, treasure digging, uh, Bible translation being a plagiarism in part from, from Adam Clark's commentary, um, Joseph Smith's personal behavior with polygamy and other things. I'm not asking you if it's the best answer, because obviously in your mind it's not. You believe you're in. But do you think it's reasonable, rational, logical for people to go like, oh, this doesn't mm -hmm. add up? And, and this thing doesn't feel right for me. And so I'm going to step away. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if, 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 see, that's uh that's gosh, now, now I'm going to sound like a push, pushing my glasses up like an apologist. My, my thought is, is, and, and this is, I, I really mean this. I'm, this is not me trying to be an academic. This is what I legitimately think. My thought is, there, what's actually rational? You know, what, 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 what is, what's actually going to give me a rational life? Um, because we can both look at those same things and come away with different, different views, right? My studying of Joseph Smith has only made me um, actually like myself more and recognize, okay, look, um, Joseph can, can make mistakes, um, uh, and, and this and this and this and still be a prophet um, and still have those experiences. And I know because I've had experiences, 
that were outer worldly that I'm not going to, you know, that I may not be as brave of him to go and talk about, but I can confidently say there is something else out there. And if that's the reality that I've had in my personal life that I've seen with my eyes and felt with my heart, then I, 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 I believe what Joseph is saying. And yeah. so um, the way I see it is, well, okay, look, you know, if, if someone says, look, I believe in the magic of it, but I just, I don't think I buy it. The skeptic in me says no. And I'll say, okay, well, if you don't want to attend because you don't believe, then, okay, turn off your Sunday alarm and sleep in. You know what I'm saying? Go get, go get Chick-fil-A for us who can't get it on Sunday, I guess, or not Chick-fil-A is not open, whatever, right? Not open on Sunday. Um, and, but if, but if you don't, if you intrinsically don't believe, but, but the, the issue I see is, is a lot of people, a lot of people were never put into a position where they, they really needed to look for miracles and they had, they were just had nothing in life, but they're holding on to one, one piece of string that was the gospel. And that's quite literally all they had. Um, and I found a lot of those people, a lot, a lot of those friends I had who maybe had addictions or friends who were, you know, fleeing homes with abusive parents and had like 20 bucks to their name. And all they had was their belief in God. Man, I can tell you, we had some experiences to talk about that are a lot more than just a good feeling I had at EFY. Stuff yeah. that is, is intense. Yeah. It, but it, if... I want to interrupt you for just a second. So I've I've had those kinds of experiences too, like ones that I would call like deeply miraculous, and they bound my testimony to Mormonism at the time. When I say rational, what I mean is that if we're given the list of explanations for why a certain event occurs the way it does, whatever answer requires the least amount of conjecture, the least amount of allowances, the answer that is the like, okay, uh, there's a noise in the kitchen, it could be an alien or it could be my pet cat. Pet cat is the most rational conclusion because believing in an alien requires more allowances and more conjecture to make that work. And what I'm saying is that if somebody believes deeply in Mormonism, they've had miraculous experiences, they, their testimony is all in. But in reading all of this stuff, slowly they realize that other people and other religions also have miraculous experiences. And... Um, as they're searching through all these issues, they come up with more rational answers. Again, the answer that requires the least amount of conjecture in their mind. Do you, I, I'm just kind of asking, do you make space for people to leave this church honestly and not to, not to, not to have just been lazy or, or wanted to eat Chick-fil-A, but to have really spent deep emotional energy trying to deconstruct this thing? And to look at like what's real and what isn't and really took that search seriously. And now we're on the outside of the church. Yeah. I mean, probably 50% of my friends are either inactive or ex members. Yeah. So to me, it's, it's, if you, if you find yourself not believing in it, then you just, you know, you just don't believe in it. And maybe one day you decide to believe and come back. And if you don't, then, you know, that's just your life. Um, my, I'm not going to judge someone, um, and, and base their humanity on whether or not we have the same theology. Um, that doesn't make sense. That's not how civilizations work. You can't have a society that's going to function that way. But I will say on the, on the note about um, it being, you know, uh, about what seems more rational, 
I I don't know if I'm convinced that what's more rational has to be what's more true. And I'm going to give a wild example real quick. But when I was in high school, the first time I, I, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, not related to the church, and I started reading things about how the hedge fund manager um, was hanging out with celebrities on a small island and stealing children and trafficking them on a small island. And everyone said that's nuts. And a couple of years later, a wacko goes into a pizza shop and shoots it up trying to find the kids. A couple of years goes by. We figure out of that whole theory and conspiracy, the meat of it, which was written off to be something the most insane, improbable, statistically untrue, and least rational thing possible, it turned out to be that Jeffrey Epstein was actually doing those things. And involved in that was Bill Clinton and one of the princes and all of these weird things. And so I think when it gets down to it, a lot of times the things that happen in life are the least like rational things. It isn't normal for for what happens to happen. But to me, it, I, I don't think rationality should be ever be the default. I think truth should be the default. And what is true is 50% of the time, really, really weird. The Boston molasses disaster in 1912, when the giant tanker of molasses explodes and destroys the city and like 21 people die and a hundred something people get injured and molasses goes everywhere and fills the streets. It sounds like something out of like a Nickelodeon movie. It sounds like the fakest thing ever. And if you open a new tab right now and Google Boston molasses disaster, you'll see it. It's the most ridiculous thing. And it happened. So that, that again, that's my mind frame. When I look at these things, when I look at these things about Joseph or Brigham Young or John Taylor or any of the miracles or anything in the Bible, I go, Yes, it's not as it's not as likely, but what is ever rational? You know what I'm saying? None of this is rational. Like our world is not a rational world. So that's sort of my mind frame of it. But if if you are someone who is you emphasize the more common and the least extravagant, and you your mind frame is sometimes crazy things happen, and we're and but the normalcy is kind of rational and mundane and whereas my mind frame is you're lucky if you get something rational and mundane because everything else is crazy if you're more on the other side of that and you say i don't buy it well you know what i'm i'm still going to be your friend now i think the tension really comes in though when it's it's um you're an ex-member and you know you've said like i don't want to go to church i don't buy it and you know, you feel like you keep getting you keep getting the texts or missionaries keep getting sent to your door or X, Y, Z, or people are, you know, belittling you in the way they talk to you, making it sound like you don't know you haven't looked up anything or you just haven't prayed enough. Or you're a lazy you learner. It's like, okay, okay, shut up. <laughs> you know? Um or or then on the other side of that, right? You've got like, hey, um, I believe in this, and you have someone who's like, Well, don't you know about Ellen Mark Kimball? And you're like, Yikes, get away from me. Just shut up, let me live my life. So uh, both both sides have their missionaries because that's what we train people to do. And your psyche is going to be the same way you were raised, even if you left, you leave the church. So that's usually where the problem comes. And th my involvement um, when I stumbled into being an apologist was because I saw how big the army was of those who were saying the church is bad, church is bad, and let's take down the church. It was all right. Guess we guess we're having a fight now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't have to be that way. You, it doesn't, there doesn't actually have to be a fight. You can just have people who say, I don't believe, and here are the reasons why. But um, my, my issue 
it was that I would see things like, I won't give names, but, you know, a, a, a prominent ex-member trying to sneak a porn star into a temple to film a lesbian sex scene. And I'm like, you say that like there's something wrong with it. Like, that's not how that that's you don't do that. To me, that's that's far different from, oh, I just don't believe. And so normal members, when they see that in their head, it's these ex-Mormons are pretending that they've just left because they don't believe, but they're actually just trying to take it down. And because every group has rotten eggs, but sometimes, for, for again, from the from the, the all-in perspective, from the orthodox believing perspective, the rotten eggs get a lot of attention. And if the rotten eggs get that much attention, the people are going to go, yikes, okay, yeah, expos are weird and bad. That's what we always thought. That's what my old bishop said anyway. I guess he was right. So um, I, I get that there, there's not the same responsibility to rein in rotten eggs, you know what I mean? Because you're not a church claiming to have, you know, to be the one true church. But for any community claiming to help someone, right, you do have a responsibility. And so, again, from our perspective, we see those things and we see a lot of the nasty comments and we see the videos and we see a lot of just the the nastiness. And not to say we don't have some nastiness thrown on our side, right? We have the desnats. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. But when you see that, you're going to say, oh, that's exactly what I thought. And that's what they told me ex-Mormons were like. Well, you know, it's like Elder, oh, sorry. You know, like Elder Oak said, it is sometimes hard to stage manage a grizzly bear. Yes, yes, exactly. And on that poking the bear, that's what's been happening. Um, uh, uh, you, we have the, we both have bears that have been getting poked forever, and now the bears are biting. So now you have, we have the Desnat guys who are like, yeah, polygamy's good, and your mama's a hoe, and it's like, all right, you're, how do you debate that? You know what I mean? You can't. We both have bears that have been poked by the other side, and now the bears are just fighting. And the campground is torn to pieces and the children are running. And it's like, are we just going to stick this way? Are we going to continue to have the most toxic online culture of literally every religion? It's not who we are because that's both of our faults now. And now we're both going to look like idiots. Yeah. Yeah. How how did you get involved with, uh, with fair? So um, I guess that was two years ago now. Um, Yeah. Two years ago. Um, I get invited to the fair conference that they're having in Provo. And um, uh, we just, uh, we had breakfast and we talked about a CES letter related project. There was a filmmaker named Cardin who had this idea of creating something. And so he was watching some videos and he was like, Hey, let's get some of these guys involved. So really they just got together and um, um, you know, we talked about who would write it and stuff like that. And um, you know, uh, my name was floated in to write it. And I said, I'll write it if we get to do it the most fun style possible. I don't want to write a bunch of speeches, but if I can like dress up the Kinderhook plates, you know what I'm saying? And make him have a New Jersey accent and have Satan be a character. You know, if we can have fun and do it like kind of like meme-ish and SNL style, I'll do that. Because um, I, if I'm going to put time into apologetics, I want it to be something that I can see 17-year-old me watching and being engaged in. And I'm not going to do something that makes me want to impress, you know, a BYU professor who's 55, who can't reach anyone under 17 unless he's chosen to be an EFY speaker. And they're all going to unfollow him on Instagram in the next two days anyway. Quick, quick. Was that Scott Gordon and John Lynch who you're having breakfast with? um, John was there. Oh, I can't remember if Scott was there. John was there, but there was a couple of other people that were there, too. 
Um, I just can't remember who exactly. We Scott are was there so bad. He'll be like, Quake, who I was there. You don't remember me? But uh, I don't <laughs> think Scott was there. Well, I don't um, think they remember you anymore. Um, oh, that was good. No, um, uh, no, um, uh, we, we talk still. We have a very good relationship. Um, um, there is a, they, they liked the videos a lot, but, you know, was it put on the wrong channel? Could it have been in a different channel? Perhaps it should have been in a different channel, but did it get the views it needed to? And did we get people who were super in an, out of an age demographic that they can't normally reach coming out and saying, hey, hey, this really helped my testimony. And like, we even had people on the brink of leaving saying, I'm staying now and it's because of this. Um, so, you know, I think it did its job. And will it be uploaded again? There's a very high chance that it will. So, you know... But again, this was over. This is two years ago. The first meeting happened, and this was filmed over a year ago. So, like, I, I this is already this is like months already in the past of like being something that had my full attention. And now, then, when it's released, it's like, right? Yes, yes, I did. I did this. Yes, I, I did this show. But I like my personal life has moved on so much from when we were filming this. It's like, I, I know. I feel like this whole thing is just coming like a year and a half late. And I'm like, yeah, we've this, we filmed this forever ago. Let me share with you what the perspective was from the outside, uh, because I was paying a little bit of attention to what was going on. I mean, you made quite a um, a splash last December, late uh, November of 2020, when uh, Fair, I'm just going to say Fair, since they've gone back to Fair, uh, has uh, dropped these, and we a lot of people were. Uh, upset, offended. A lot of people liked them. A lot of people wrote in with complaints to John Lynch and Scott Gordon, and they would send emails back. And I have at least one of those, and I've read more that were sent back. And uniformly, John Lynch was very supportive of your videos. He said that they were uh, not for everybody, but that they were having a hugely good impact among this certain younger uh, group of people that was a target audience. Um, in other words, he totally embraced and endorsed those videos. And that was back in December. And then January rolls around and then February rolls around. And over the weekend, I think it was of March 20th and 21st, all of a sudden, FAIR takes your videos down without any announcement. And that was the view from the outside. It seemed very strange after first off producing them. Uh, obviously they knew what was in them before they put them up on their website and then endorsing them in these emails to people who are writing with complaints. And then all of a sudden they just scrapped them uh, out of the blue from, from the perspective from the outside. It was quite a surprise. And I was wondering if you have any insight into what happened there. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, my, I, I never expected them to stay online forever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Especially in fair Mormon channel. Um, my my first, and I'm going to answer each question, but I'm going to give the context. My 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 thought is on, on the offensive nature of them. I'm going to say so. I don't think anyone was actually offended. I, I really don't think anyone was offended. Um, you know, you you both are Gen uh, Gen X, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't even know what I am. Actually, I'm a baby boomer. Really? Okay, I thought you're Gen X. Okay, Bill, you're Gen X. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have a, a baby boomer in Gen X. Um, you guys gave us Family Guy. You gave us Chappelle Show. You gave us South Park. You weren't offended. 
nobody was offended by these, right? Like, I, 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 I am very pressed to believe there was someone going, how dare the Kinderhook plates have a New Jersey accent? I, don't I know Mormons who were offended by The Simpsons when it came out. Yeah, and that, again, that's that horrible suburbanism, that wimpy, just be tough, grow a pair, grow a pair. You're mad at yellow cartoons. So, like, again, uh, I don't think anyone who's really, any X-Men was really offended. And if they were, it's like you had to work hard. It's like a, I think there's a facade, a little bit of a fakeness to let's pretend to be offended for a moral high ground for a debate we're having online here. But the reality is, eh, it's like someone goes, aren't you offended by Zelf? I think they're annoying. I'm not offended. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a wimp. I'm not offended. Right. Like, like it, it's we We can be real here for a second and go, if we're okay with the book of Mormon musical where they're talking about R A P I N G babies and every African is like a monkey, dumb caveman. Come on. You're fine with the video. You're absolutely fine with it. Um, yeah. But there was pushback, right? Yeah. Like there's always going to be pushback in these things. And so, you know, we had people who, um, <laughs> the, the relationship aspect. So you had people who were active members who were con connected to FAIR either through friendship or through being on the board or whatever, who were then also related to ex-members. And, you know, if you're you're a nice old lady who just really just likes to read Richard Bushman and you're getting a call from your nephew who is like, these are the most offensive things ever. How dare you're involved with it? She's like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And then you're going to say, okay, if they're mad, just take it down. Because the the the, the younger millennials and the Gen Z members of the church, at least, I, I again, I'm, I'm blinded because my, 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 my knowledge of that is Provo and it's wherever we do events. So it's St. George, it's Rexburg, it's, you know, Mesa, Gilbert, that area, those places. Um, our style is like, a lot more, almost more like frat. Who cares than than it was when I think when you guys were at BYU. There's a lot more just middle fingers being thrown. And I was never I at BYU. Were you ever at BYU, Bill? No. no. Okay. I think but... you were. Oh, okay. No, no. My mistake. Bowling Green um, State University, and I dropped out in my third year. Nice, as we all should. So, I graduated. Uh, <laughs> I graduated though twice. Just so you know. Can, can I just oh, say oh, UT, right? Yeah. UT, yeah. And I, said too, that, that I don't think people are offended by the jokes. I, I think what people were hurt by is that when you're all in and you love this thing and you want nothing more than it to be true and you explore all these issues and you realize like, oh, like, and again, I'm not saying it's in your head or the, or the truth. I'm saying in their head, it, it felt like, oh, like this thing wasn't honest with me and all of this stuff was hard. And I, some of these people lost marriages. Some of these people lost other relationships. Their parents don't talk, talk to them anymore. Like deconstructing your faith system is painful. And when people see um, these issues being depicted in really simplified, whitewashed ways that fail to address kind of the real complexities of them, and when these people have done the hard work of figuring it out, that like, oh, there's way more information here. And once I know all this information, this issue no longer seems to fall on the church's side. I think people want their emotional turmoil to have some validation. And they want people to sense like this was really hard and it was the hardest thing I did. And I wanted nothing more than to come out on the other conclusion. But here's where I ended up. And I'm going to live my life based on this truth that I've discovered. Again, whether it's absolute truth or not, 
for them it was. They, I think people want to sense that we're respecting how hard it is once you dive down the rabbit hole to, to continue believing. And again, some do it, but most don't. And, and I think that when we depict it, like with all these jokes and sarcasm and snarkiness, folks feel diminished when that happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, you know, my, my answer is going to be a little bit cold or harsh, but it's kind of like, all right, well, that's kind of how it is. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, it, I, I don't, it, I don't know. Well, how. I mean, it's that. almost like, 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 I hate to say tough, but it's kind of like tough. You know, um, uh, the way I view it is, is as, 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 as I recognize and understand that changing an ideology in life is very, very difficult and might come at, at an emotional price. I recognize that fully. Um, but I also recognize the narrative has been, at least with the very popular, prominent ex-Mormon media figures, it's been to throw a lot of mud at us, too. And, you know, if if I'm going to watch people be buddy-buddy with leak guys who leak the temple footage and celebrate the Book of Mormon musical and stuff like that, we're allowed to make jokes, too. To me, it's like, look, I understand if something can offend you, but also if you're willing to if you're willing to offend others, you got to be willing to get to be offended yourself. If you're willing to say, hey, let's let's fight, let's box, you can't be shocked if you get punched in the face as well. So the way I see it is, you know, we we like I understand people can feel belittled, like we, you know, these videos weren't listening to their story, but it's also this is a big media conversation and it's a fight. Let's be real. That's what it is. And we're going to use some jokes and humor and we're going to say, look, we looked at these issues too. And I don't, I don't, I think this whole Vernal Holly map thing is a dumb argument. And so let's make fun of it a little. And if that, if, if someone said, no, okay, well that, this is something that actually made me leave. It's well, I, I don't know really know what to say. We live in the exchange of ideas. Have we become as a society? so sanitized and have we become are we in such a place where now even the cool rebellious no longer christian people are just like the hoa moms are just like we need to be as sensitive as possible to everyone else i don't want to live in that society mormon or not we can't go on like that that's not like how it should be yeah. bill you should be able to go on your program and say the temple architecture is stupid. Dallin A. Chokes looks like Caillou. And Mormons, you know what? You're kind of weird for doing what you do. Your, your temple is weird. Your rituals are weird. You're creeps. And you should not be taken off just because I can go get my friend to cry on a tweet and say, that hurt me. Yeah. No, no, no. She should grow a pair. Can I ask you something? Well, I'm sorry, Bill, but who is Caillou? I never knew that Dallin Oaks looks like yeah, Caillou. Caillou character. Oh, I thought he looked like the Muppet Sam Eagle. That's yeah. who I think he looks like. I, what Caillou's do you think about ball. that? So you said I should yeah, be able to do that. I, I am able to do that. I, I don't because I take seriously. And again, I'm poking fun at the thing, the entity, and I poke fun at the arguments. But I don't. I don't come at people in any way. And and I want to recognize, like, we all ought to reduce suffering in the world. And people have a hard enough life that if somebody has lost their relationship with their parents or they got divorced from their wife solely for the reason that they stopped believing in a thing that their brain told them, I just can't believe it. It doesn't make any more sense. Then then I think we ought to have some degree of like, OK, and, and I hear you. 
Like, let's pick on the other people. Let's pick on the Bill Reels and the Radio Free Mormons, but let's not pick on the couple in Kaysville that just lost their relationship with their kid or their parents or their spouse. Like, like let's, let's understand that this is all hard stuff. Being all in on a high-demand fundamentalist religion, which whether Mormonism is true or not, it is that thing. It asks a lot of its members. To, to leave it or to leave Scientology or to leave Jehovah's Witnesses or leave any other high-demand fundamentalist religion, it comes at a significant cost that is full of pain and heartache. And I just don't really want to – I don't want to belittle that experience for those folks. Well, I mean, yeah, my, 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 my thought is, is it's not my job to, you know, comfort everyone in that. You know, if if I've if if my job at the moment is to take down this yes letter and make people laugh while I do it, that's isn't that what every do, disciple's right? job? I'm sorry. Isn't that every disciple's job? Well, I mean, it's the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. If you want to feel the Spirit? There, there's a part of the Godhead. For aren't, aren't you? A but there's also an aspect of of you know you have to you have you have to be tough sometimes. You've got um you've got Samuel and um and. Uh, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces, pieces before the Lord God in Israel. Yep. Right? Like, Boom, baby. There's both aspects of that. So um, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I understand it because someone's pain, you, it's, you don't want to say, ha, 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 here's your pain. At the yeah. same token, though, if someone who perhaps, you know, they they had maybe maybe let's take let's take your example someone who had a divorce in Kaysville because they didn't believe in the church and their spouse did and said I'm I'm not going to lose my eternal salvation or exaltation because you've decided to leave and so let's get a divorce let's say that happens right um, and then that person goes and says the church is false nobody should be a member and I'm going to dedicate these next couple years of my life into making sure I can make as many people as possible leave the church what you've done is you've taken a private issue and made it public battleground and once it becomes a public battleground then everybody who's affected gets a say and so once you start having mormon stories podcasts and you start having ex-mormon mindy and you have all those things and it becomes public and it's no you should leave too here are the reasons why those people who may have lost a marriage but have decided to join the battleground it's a fair fight because now I'm on a battleground too, and I've got people I'm looking out for. So you can't go and take your 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 private hurt and say, "This is my banner of safety. I'm allowed to criticize and attack as much as I want, but you can't shoot arrows back." No, no, no. You shooting arrows. We're gonna shoot arrows too. That's the whole story of society. It's like I'm sometimes a little bit shocked when I do read some of this ex-Mormon stuff where they're talking about, "I can't believe someone was this mean," and it's like, "How'd you not see it coming?" You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't see it coming. You started a fight. You got socked in the stomach. I got a black eye. All right. Are we going to keep fighting or are we going to both go home? Or are we going to come back and fight tomorrow? Can I can I throw a towel in between Quaker and Bill just for a second here? I think you've done both done a really good job of representing both sides of your issues here. And I want to say that um, uh, I think that this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this episode and why I'm glad that Quaku had frankly the courage to come on the show. There's been a lot of comments about your courage for doing this. And I agree with that. But also as part of this idea of maybe 
building bridges and not having the personas talking at each other, but having human beings talking with each other. And I'm really grateful that you came on. I'm hoping because it's now 637 and we traditionally take phone calls at this point. I had texted you yeah. the other day. Did you get the text quick? Was that okay? I, yeah, I did. I, I got super busy, but yeah, yeah I, I, we can totally take phone calls. You know, um, you know, if, I know I may not be able to answer some things. I may be able to answer, you know, but I'm totally down for phone calls, you know? Okay, great. I figured you would be. I figured you would be, but I wanted to clear it with you first. So we have a great, intelligent, wonderful audience. And I know that they will all uh, be very respectful and courteous in whatever it is they have to say to you. I think you've really acquitted yourself well. I think you've won a lot of fans tonight and a lot of people over to your side, at least uh, as a human being. And there's a lot of goodwill, I think, going on on the internet tonight at Mormonism Live. So let's see if we can queue up any phone calls. Like I told you in that text, Quaker, we have nobody screening. Uh, it's a small operation and they come in unfiltered. And so far we haven't gotten in trouble with the FCC yet. All right. Yeah. Well, so I attract some interesting stuff. So I think we're going to have some interesting calls. But yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 435-200-FIST. Uh, uh, hey, yeah. can you hold up your, can you hold up your fist? Kwaku to the camera. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. This is what we do. Four, three, five, two hundred fist. Yeah. Or three, four, seven, eight being those last four. Uh, and I do appreciate you coming on. So I think RFM made some really great points, which is that you're you're braver than most of the folks in this arena. And and I know you're making the self-deprecating joke of being not as smart, but I don't think that's it. I think you're a bright person. I think being willing to sit in these conversations and to hear each other and and maybe maybe at some point I change my mind a little bit. Maybe at some point you change your mind a little bit. I think that's all valuable. Um, and, and, and I mean, so, oh, sorry, there's a call. I You're good. I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll keep the caller here I on mean, mute for just a second. At the end of the day, okay. I want to make sure what I'm putting out in media is for people to be happy. And, you know, I, I want to make people happy at the end of the day. And so the reason I do events and I do concerts and that's the whole thing is because I get to see how happy people are. And these people I work with a lot have left the church, but there's still the humanity aspect to it that I kind of wish we had more. And I also think the political division of our country has very much exacerbated this problem. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we do need to talk. And I do think people who are, who are on my turf do need to, let go of the keyboards and go face to face on camera sometimes and talk. And when you do that, honestly, unless the person you're dealing with is a complete and total psychopath, usually when you're looking someone else in the eyes and you can talk with them, you're going to go, all right. And you can be reasonable. I mean, I, I don't think we have anything to be afraid of. And I think we need to get, like I said, get some more balls on our side. Caller, you're on the air. State your name and uh, you're on the air of Mormonism Live with Kwaku and RFM and Bill Real. Yeah, yeah, my, my name's FW. FW. Okay, go ahead with your comment, please. Okay, so my, my question for Quaku is knowing, um, knowing what you know about Joseph Smith's history with polygamy and knowing that there have been other um, people who have practiced uh, similar things and claimed that God was directing them to do so, how do you know, like, what, what, what test could we say you, do you apply to Joseph Smith that tells you that he was indeed directed by God to 
marry uh, women and girls? And, and and how do you know that that was God working through Joseph Smith? And can that test also be applied to, say, Warren, Jeff, David Koresh, um, et cetera, other yeah. people? Yeah, let me hang up with the caller. Clear enough question. Yeah, I'm going to hang up with you and let him respond. Okay. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, that's a great question. Sorry, I've also got allergies. So if you hear me breathing weirdly, it's because it's the change of the season. Um, so I, 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 that's a good question. The way I look at it is I think you kind of have to take a grand scheme look. So, you know, you can always make the argument of, oh, well, you know, we don't know how many of them he slept with and the only kids he has are from Emma and that's whole... But I want to take a grand scheme look at it and say, if something's inspired by God, and when I say that, I mean I'm the 1978 First Presidency Statement, right? That uh, certain popes, even the reformers, Muhammad, um, the Confucius monks are inspired by God. And we have the only priesthood authority, but there's still inspiration that can be found elsewhere. An inspired movement is going to have the marks of an inspired movement. Warren Jeff's in jail and he has a, two small colonies. It has not made a dent. It has not actually brought forward a mass push of Judeo-Christian ethics and morals in society. Joseph Smith's movement did that. What, what, he, what from his initial claim to what we have now is because of Joseph Smith. The way I look at it as a con man and a liar can't achieve that. Joan of Arc was only able to achieve what she achieved because she was inspired. If she was just a schizophrenic, she's not She's not freeing France. I think you can objectively take a look and say, you know the mark of a con man, and you know the mark of an inspired person. And I put Joseph on that category because of everything else that happened. Do I understand the polygamy? No. But I will say, if God's the creator and inventor of marriage, he gets to do what he wants with it. And if at some point he says, marry more women, you're going to do it. And what if some of them are a little bit younger? Isn't that weird? Eh, in European countries, the age of consent's like 16. All of sex is weird. It's all weird. Um, when you guys were LDS, you were sealed in the temple and you were sealed to your sister. And then your daughter is going to be your sister. And then your daughter is going to get married and have sex with her husband, who is her brother. It's all weird. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with recognizing that it's not something that normal. Neither are Native American angels glowing, flying through time and space. Neither are golden plates. Neither is any of it. I'm fine with it. I don't think Joseph fits the mark of a con man. It all would have fall, fallen and died. It could not have become what it became if he was. And the reason we know that is because we know who David Koresh is. We know who these other people are who did not make it. Whose teachings and their weirdness that went along with their teachings, it, it, it was not sustainable. But Joseph's was. That's probably because it was actually inspired. Okay, so John, you're on the air. Um, you're on the Quaku, Bill Real, and RFM. What's your thoughts on tonight? Yeah, yeah so, so I, I got, got a quick, quick question for Quaku. He says that, that crazy things, things happen all the time. And, and I'm, I'm just curious, how, how does he know, know that the Mormon Church was a crazy thing that happened and no other religion had a truthful, crazy thing that happened, right? Like, how do you know that? Uh, Muslim faith is not true, right? Even though they got a crazy story. And um, how do you decide when to default to the crazy out, uh, output rather than the national output? Thank you. I'll, I'll hang up with you and let, let him answer. 
So there's a good Mark Twain quote. I'm going to butcher, but I about chloroform um, but, and print. No, no, no. It was the other one. It was about um, how if you interviewed every person long enough, you'd find that everyone has their own religion, right? It, it's something along those lines. But it's a really good quote, and um, and the you kind of have two different outlooks on religion. You have the very much um, you you've got the classic American Christian outlook which is extremely secluded. It's that we are the only ones with miracles and truth and no one else has it. And then you have the more slightly universalist of there is still a lot of truth out there and we have the best culmination and understanding of it. I'm more in that camp. And I think our church is pretty evenly divided into the two. I think Muhammad did have that experience with Gabriel. I think Gabriel did appear to him. I think he was inspired. Did I think he go out? I think he went off the end, off the edge a little. Yes. But I do think those things happen. So when other people ask me, what about these other miracles and other faiths? I say, good. I think Joan of Arc saw angels. I, I, I think that literally occurred. Uh, I, I think if, if I want to go talk to a neo-pagan, I think I can identify a lot of those Olympian gods with our prophets. I've had great conversations with someone who believes that who believes in, in Poseidon being a real God. And we identified that could easily be Noah. I have no issue with, with crossing theological boundaries to find commonalities. One of the coolest things about the two empires America's based off of Greece and Rome, when they went around to different areas, they didn't debate religions. They said, that's Zeus. Oh yeah. We call him Jupiter. You know, that, that I, I, I take that philosophy um, there's truth everywhere. I think the priesthood authority we specifically have was given to us. And I think um, we have the only authority, but I think miracles and I think all those things can very much exist in other religions. And I think th there can very much be inspiration, even to a level that would shock us. So I'm, I'm completely fine with that. There's a lot of crazy out there. We don't own the monopoly on crazy. No, I just want to say here, I think we've got another phone call, right, Bill? Yep. I just want to comment that uh, the open-mindedness that I see you evincing in that answer is probably in large respect responsible for why it is that you are willing to come on to other programs and talk to other people face-to-face. -face. Yeah, yeah, good, good. That's, that's supposed to be a compliment. It was long-winded, but... Thank you. All right, so on the phone, we've got, uh, I think it's Ethan. Ethan, uh, what do you have for us tonight, my friend? Hey Bill, hey RFM, hey Kwaku, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I've met Bill and or yeah, Bill and RFM personally. Uh, thanks for all that you do. And Kwaku, I haven't spoken to you personally, but I was at BYU from 2016 to 2020, and saw you there on campus a few times. Uh, anyway, just a quick background. Um, kind of as I was navigating through all of this history, when I first learned about some of these historical issues while I was there at BYU. Uh, I really dove into a lot of the fair articles, and I, I'm sure I read a majority of what's on that site, as well as all the videos that you made, Kwaku. I've watched the Three Mormons and uh, the TITS videos, just trying to figure out kind of what was, you know, what was going on with a lot of this historical stuff. And um, one of the things that one of the things that kind of kept frustrating me was. But I knew that we had, you know, these 15 leaders that were called as prophets, seers, and revelators, but I never saw them coming out to speak on a lot of these historical uh, kind of things. Uh, I mean, we had the gospel topics, essays, uh, but 
those weren't really signed by them. I never saw talks where they kind of came up with these uh, or talked about these historical issues. Instead, I kind of always had to default to these Fair Mormon articles or these videos where I didn't really know who produced them or was behind them. And so that was a little bit frustrating. I was hoping that I could hear from, you know, the, the people that I saw as maybe having a conduit from, uh, to God himself. And so, and I don't mean rude caller. Do you well, mind, do you have like a question that comes at the end of this? Yeah, if I could rephrase, can I just try this? Uh, if he can hear me, can he not hear me? When you were making these videos uh, or involved in them, did uh, the leaders of the church ever have any kind of involvement? Did uh, any of the scripts go by them that you know of, or? Uh, yeah, did any of the leaders of the church have any involvement? Perfect. That Thank was my you. question. Thank you, my friend. I'm going to hang up with you and let him respond. No, and nor would I have wanted that to happen. Um, I, if I'm trying to make content for 17 and 16-year-olds, I don't want anybody over the age of 30 reviewing it. <laughs> That's my answer. No no leaders got to went through it. Not, from my knowledge, no leaders looked at our scripts or anything. Right. It's kind of like the Logan's Run theory. Right. Do you get that at all? You get the Logan? Okay. Anyway. Um, I've heard it before. I've heard it before. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. I think that what this caller's uh, getting at is like what happened at the Swedish Rescue, which you're probably familiar with back in 2010, November, I think it was over in Sweden, where they have all these Swedish members of the church who are having right. a lot of questions. He was, he was there. I think he, yeah, he was definitely there. And they sent over a couple of the lower lights. Um, they sent over Marlon Jensen, the church historian, and uh, Richard Turley at the time. And they're answering questions. They're answering questions. And it came up more than once from the audience. You know, if you're saying this is how it could be, why didn't the church send somebody who's an apostle who could answer these questions with authority? In other words, why do we have to take your opinion about something when the church theoretically could send someone with authority, give an authoritative answer since they do have the revelation pipeline uh, from God and should be in a position to do that. Um, do you have any thoughts about that question that was raised there? Um, no, I mean, I, my answer is probably like if if uh, if I I would assume that they are there to you have to speak to the church membership as a whole, the entire body, and unfortunately, um, the community that um, that. Uh, that is connected to that story is a pretty small community. The majority of LDS people, Christian people in general, life is hard. You got to have, you have a job, you have kids, kind of want to go home and relax and you go to church because you want to feel good and you want to feel like you have some worth and you want to feel comforted about the next life. And most people don't want to get into nitty gritty. I think when you're coming down to it and you have to cater to the majority you don't have time to dip into, you know, um, did he really copy Adam Clark's commentary in the Bible or is it just similar enough? Because both, I mean, it's like people just want to you know, tell me about Jesus and, and I want to have a good time. That's what most people want. And I do think there's an aspect of that. that the church leaders have to, they, they have to go with the, the majority. Um, and so, you know, like no, no system of it's going to be perfect. Right. Um, if they if they only if they catered heavily toward a lot of the questions, I think you'd lose a lot of these people. If you catered only to these people, you do lose some of these people. But this is the majority. 
So I, I that would be my assumption. Okay. I didn't mean to take away. Thank you for the answer. I didn't mean to take away from the callers. Yeah. So uh, a previous caller, I actually hung up with him just because I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this, but the previous caller was uh, a Catholic who was investigating the Mormon church. And he wanted to know what the difference was between following Catholicism and then following Mormonism. Obviously, some of the beliefs are going to be different. Um, but primarily, I assume you would go to the idea of having authority and, and ordinances that one has keys for and all those kinds of things. So I hung up with him. We've got Scott on the phone. Scott, uh, you're on the air, Mormonism Live with Kwaku, Bill Real, and RFM. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight, my friend? Good evening, gentlemen, and thank you for taking my call, and thank you, Kwaku, for coming on the program. It's been great to hear from you. Uh, Kwaku, just real quick, I, I wanted to touch on, I think what Bill Real was trying to ask for was increased civility, just between the conversations. Um, but, but leaving that aside, I was hoping to hear your position and your idea. Uh, you kind of indicated a little bit of a nuanced position about your beliefs in kind of what comes down from the hierarchy of the church versus the Doctrine and Covenants being your favorite book. I was hoping to hear your position and thoughts on the word of wisdom and how it was specifically stated, and to use your words, from the mouth of God to be not given by commandment, but it seems to have changed into an actual commandment based on different leaders and their interpretation. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Right. I, I mean, if if sometimes we could be a fly on the wall in the temple when the prophet is meditating and praying and speaking with God, I think we'd have a different, you know, I, I think I don't rule out that it was not a commandment. And then God said, make it a commandment now. It literally could have been something that simple. You know, uh, uh, scripturally speaking, sometimes commandments are for that specific time. Sometimes they're eternally binding. And sometimes things should become commandments for a little bit and then won't be. I mean, God is, is, is looking at everything beginning and end at once, and he's moving pieces around. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, to me, it's like that, that, that's not that big of a – once you understand who's really in charge and who is playing chess, to me, that's like a – yeah, I mean, and maybe one day it won't be a commandment anymore. I mean, maybe one day it'll be changed, kind of how it is now, right? People who drink yeah. coffee, I don't think they keep your temple recommend away from you because of that. So, can, can I ask you a question here? I apologize once again to the caller, but you're saying that made me think of a question, and I want to be as delicate as possible when I ask this. It's kind of personal. Uh, Kwaku, how is it that you personally have resolved in your mind the issue of the priesthood ban? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the way I look at it is my... My faith in, in regard to the, this dispensation, Joseph Smith is, is like Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, Heavenly Mother, Adam, Joseph Smith is right there, right? If you're to do like a hierarchy, okay? After that, it's everyone else. Joseph Smith as the prophet of the dispensation, as one of the seven gods who's on the council, that's who, like, we need, I, I pay attention to what he said and wrote. Afterward, you have prophets who are not dispensational prophets, but they are prophets, and I'm not expecting, I do not hold them to the same standard I hold Joseph Smith. So they can make doctrinal in mistakes, they can make a social mistakes, they can make a ton of mistakes, and I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> priesthood ban was implemented by Brigham Young. Do I think it was the most sparkling thing ever? I don't. But 
did it come from Joseph Smith? It didn't. And because of that, you know, eh, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I wish we were the only, I wish we could be the church that could walk around the bragging rights of, we weren't the racist ones, guys. You were and you were, we were good. Unfortunately, no church can really make that claim, but I don't expect it to. I didn't join thinking that we would have this stellar record with the race. The Book of Mormon has prejudice between the Nephites and the Lamanites. One was the Church of God, one wasn't. It, it makes sense that we had that again today. There was a priesthood man. I'm happy I wasn't alive when it was around. Um, but like I said, it's not a, did Joseph have that vision, right? Did he actually see Moroni and did he translate those plates? Did he speak to Peter, James, and John? Because if he did, that's what matters. Okay, what so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm understanding you to say that you believe the priesthood ban was a mistake. Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, it, I believe it was a mistake in the way that um, God will allow things to happen, and God will work every the what, the the term the counterworking of His will. He can take anything and make it work for good. So whether that was purely Brigham Young just being a jerk or it was him being confused and the prejudice won over or whatever it was that was going on in the psyche. God made it work. It's going to make it work for the best. That's the way I see it. So I, I, I don't believe that Brigham young was just praying and God said, take away the priesthood man from the blacks. Again, God could do that if he wanted to, he, he could, he made us, it's his priesthood. He could, but do you don't that. believe he did. I don't believe he did. No. Okay. Brianna will be our final caller. We'll we'll end here with her. Brianna, you are on the air, Mormonism Live. Uh, you're speaking to Quaku, uh, RFM, and and myself, Bill Real, are here as well. Uh, your thoughts here to kind of conclude the evening. Oh, so, so special. special. Um, well, well, thanks for taking my call. You guys are all amazing. Um, thank you for all that you do. Seriously. Um, so obviously, my question is for Quaku. Um, I was a Mormon missionary. Um, you know. After, After like, like 26, 26, you know, years in the church, true believer, as a Mormon missionary, I went door to door. I went into people's homes. I saw people on the street, all to tell them that their religion or whatever they believed was not as true as what I believed. And as you can imagine, people be very offended by that. But I felt because I was going to be saving people's lives. It was important for them to know exactly how wrong that they were. And um, I hope to think I did it in a nice way. But my question for you is, um, in this war, as you say, between, I guess, people who have left the church and true believers now, um, don't you feel like being on a show and saying really offensive things, representing certain facts the wrong way would be just as, I don't know, maybe even worse than being a Mormon missionary. Thank you, Brian. Um, Let him respond. So, uh, I think my my first answer to that would be um, what I think think what we said in the show was true. (laughs) Let me just make it clear. I don't think we uh, we said anything that was not true. Um, I think we, I I stand by the comments we made there and and the the arguments we were making. Um, But I mean, I, again, I think that's a, that's, I, I think your personal view on, on, on the missionary work was very, is what it was. It was personal. 
what's the doctrine covenants verse contend not against a man's church, right? There, there is an aspect of uh, what is it? Uh, Dieter F. Uchtdorf's um, um, bring what you have and we'll add on to it. Um, you know, I, I have found that my friends from Salt Lake City area are a lot more sim or more similar and have a little more of a universalist spin on their beliefs than my friends from like Vernal, Utah. And what's the difference there? Is the difference because, oh, well, Mormonism is actually this way or this way? Is, or is it because what social environment are you raised in? What bishops do you, did you have growing up? What's your dad? What are your mom and dad like? What kind of emphasis do they put on different parts of the religion? And so you have missionaries who, I mean, are very, very different in their approach. You can even tell with the aesthetics of someone who has Captain Moroni with the flag of liberty on their Book of Mormon and the person who has the watercolor painting of Christ holding a little kid's hand. Both LDS, but almost different denominations, you know what I'm saying? And so, unfortunately, if you went door to door thinking, you're wrong, I have to save you from hell, as opposed to, you have so much truth, I wonder if this can benefit you as well. That's a psychological thing. That's That's something you're dealing with here and here. And I'm sorry that the way it was manifested is something that's regrettable. Um, but I don't think that's how most missionaries it has to be. And maybe and maybe that's a bigger issue than it is and needs to change. Um, but that's the first time I've heard something like that. Um, in regard to the show, again, I think the show I, I, was a success. We helped people stay in the church. We helped talk about these topics. And we got to approach these topics that are in the CES letter that that the CS letter decided makes itself a matter of fact. And we said, no, this is the matter of fact, but let's be fun and let's go after the youth who need to see it. And so because we did it that way, it caused these people to say, you're not allowed to do that. But like, we're not going to play by your rules. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. It's like playing by the British's rules when you're in the American Revolution. Don't march on the line, get in the tree and shoot. Follow what the Native Americans said to do. And we're back to the Patriot. <laughs> Great movie. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Especially that first scene where anyway, we'll talk about that later. Kwaku, we've come to the end of the program. We, I just want to thank you so much. You are my new favorite Mormon apologist. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. No, yeah. thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. This was a good time to talk. Um, I, my phone is blowing up right now. So I, I I'm, I'm, do, are you getting texts? Oh yeah, uh, there's a ton from John Lynch. Any from John Lynch? I don't know. I will look at it after as to not like go <laughs> drop a name, right? Um, but uh, no, I thank you guys for letting me come on. This was good, um, and uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully we we're able to get some gears turning in people's minds. Yeah, I think so. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again. And Bill, do you want to say anything in closing? You want no, me no. to wrap it up? Why don't I let Quaku go and then we'll just ask for donations and talk about some of the stuff we're doing and, and what's coming up next week. Bye, Quaku. Hey, see you guys. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on. All right. So, um, sorry. Sorry. Well, look at that. Nothing actually exploded, Bill. No, nothing exploded. I'm, I'm sorry for kind of pushing that a little bit. I just, I, I felt like people get deeply hurt in this process. And uh, I feel like sometimes we, we, 
don't take that seriously. And so I wanted to make sure I got that in. Um, folks, if you're if you're enjoying the conversations that we're having, and, and we're going to keep doing these, we're going to keep do, sitting down with folks, and some will be folks that share the same opinion that you and I do, RFM, that some will be those who differ if they're willing to come on, and Kwaku was, and he should be applauded for that. Uh, to keep kind of all this going, if you would donate, uh, go to mormonismlive.org, hit the donate button, send a few bucks our way. It's super helpful to us. Um, anything, anything on your mind, any thoughts here as we're kind of closing out the show? No, no. Uh, I'm just really glad that we had the opportunity. I'm glad that the Holy Ghost moved upon me with the idea of contacting Kwaku, yeah, finding out what was going on over there at Fair Mormon when they took down all the videos. We actually finally got to that point where so many wonderful detours along the way from the beginning of tonight's podcast. We got to that point and we talked about that a little bit. And I was so glad I had to go through an intermediary who, because I don't have Kwaku's contact information. And went through an intermediary who did, who contacted him for me to the intermediary surprise. He says, yeah, Kwaku's down with that. He'll ha be happy to do that. Got me contact information and we set it up. And uh, just glad everything went so well. Yeah, I don't think we can do a conversation like that without disagreeing at times. Um, I felt he was kind and respectful in terms of his tone. Uh, I, I thought we did as well. I mean, I don't think there's any way to get around this conversation with the three of us without some disagreement. Um, but I am appreciative that he came on and we had a chance to to have a conversation. And I think there were several things that were spoken about that um, I think were deeply meaningful to the people that were listening. So appreciate the the chance to sit down and do that. Yeah, and I want to thank all the people who called in as well and everybody who's listening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, folks, we will see you next week. I don't really actually have a, a topic picked out. I've reached out to a few historians and scholars that are still in the church believing and a couple of them have just kind of said no and a couple haven't answered yet. So we'll we'll see, see what people only say yes when i ask them to come on Bill. yeah maybe i need to have you do all of that reaching out apparently you know there's going to be some big news coming up sunday night down in kansas uh i don't know anything about this what's the story there oh there's like an excommunication oh scheduled. I, I do know about that i didn't know when you said kansas i wasn't aware of where it was happening but yes uh, i am natasha helfer parker who uh went public sometime in the last 24 hours or so announcing that uh, she was having a disciplinary council and Having participated in one of those, um, it's it's a big deal for somebody who wants to be in and and is uh, essentially has the possibility of them no longer being a member of the church on the table. Yeah, so this is going to be a big deal. I know some people have already gotten plane tickets to go out there and support her. I wish I could. I will certainly be watching whatever's being broadcast live at that time, and uh, I certainly wish her the very best. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, yeah, good thoughts go out to Natasha. Um, if nothing else, I guess we can wrap up here. I'm going to go ahead and kick the credits and a little closing uh, thing we do. And uh, uh, you have a great week, RFM, and I can't wait to talk to you until uh, next week. Thank you so much, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Good night, everybody. Take it easy. <laughs>